You're listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry at First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas, 67024. You got a Bible? We're going to be in Acts chapter 9. Um... If you look around the back of the pews there, there might be a Bible somewhere if you need one. Acts chapter 9, we're going to continue our study of the book of Acts. And today we're going to continue to follow the newly converted Saul. Uh, We're going to look at his life, the newly converted Saul. He moved from being an enemy of God and an enemy of the church to a friend of both. uh, By the power and the sovereign decree of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so we're going to be we're going to start in verse 26 of Acts chapter 20 or Acts 9 uh, verse 26. And if you remember last week, last week he uh, got lowered down in a basket because people were trying to kill him because he was publicly preaching the gospel. So in Damascus the Jews were not happy with Saul because Saul was an ally of the Jews and now he's been converted by Christ and now he is publicly preaching that Jesus is Lord and they did not like that and so they attempted to kill him but the disciples lowered him down in a basket out of the wall and now we have this next segment of his life in verse 26. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for your word. And God, I ask this morning that I would step aside and that you would be forefront and you would be present in this. And you would speak through myself a feeble vessel to bring the truth of your word to this congregation thank you father for your word and the power of it i love you in christ's name amen sometimes in our lives when when god does a work in our hearts it it might be instantaneous in the eyes of god but in the eyes of other human beings, it, it might take a few moments for that to get traction in real time. Amen? All right, there's, there's a past that Saul has that, that may have been instantly forgiven and smoothed over in the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you remember, what had Saul been doing? He'd been killing people. He'd been imprisoning people. He's not the guy you want to have over for afternoon tea or coffee, if you're a believer. That's the problem in the text here. You see that he gets back from Damascus. He now goes into Jerusalem and he's like, hey, I'm a brother. I'm, I'm a believer in Jesus. And when he came to Jerusalem and he attempted to get in with the disciples, they didn't believe him. Yes, there is grace that is meted out by the God Almighty in our lives And the moment of our conversion, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. But Saul had an uphill battle to climb with humanity. The church was in danger all the time. And primarily because of Saul. 
Saul had been the chief persecutor of the church. So the people were looking, they were looking for opportunities to be, or the, the, the Jews were looking for opportunities to kill the church. And so they thought that Saul had a new tactic in his arsenal of weapons to infiltrate and destroy the fledgling church. But thank God for, God, for godly men who have godly discernment. Look at verse 27. So we've got 26 where the church is a little bit skeptical, but thank God we have godly men. We've got Barnabas in verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord and spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas was a godly example inside and to the inside the church and to the church. He was a godly example. He had biblical and Holy Ghost filled credit to his name in the early church. His name actually means son of encouragement. That's that's what Barnabas means, son of encouragement. But um, this this man, this godly Christian man, comes alongside this new fledgling brother in Christ, and he, in, in essence, he vouches for his conversion and helps unpack his testimony to the body of believers. Because in the church, even today, we can sometimes struggle with the idea that God can actually save certain people. We just have a hard time seeing this. We think to ourselves, man, I just don't see how God could save that guy. He was a big rascal. I don't know how God could save that lady. She was just a problem. But man, didn't God save you? Didn't God save me? And if God can save me and he can save you, he can save people like Saul. He can redeem the nastiest, vilest, wickedest sinner and turn them into a miracle of his grace. Amen? We got one amen. All right, that's good. Check on the rest of you here in a minute. The fact of that day, that was the fact of that day. Barnabas came alongside in the power of the Holy Spirit and shows them that actually Saul had been converted. And he's, he's now not only converted, but now he's boldly preaching the gospel in the public square. It's one thing to say that you're a follower of Jesus Christ in the pew. It's an entirely different ballgame when you're out in the middle of the public square publicly and boldly proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. There can be repercussions for that action. And you're going to see here in just a minute that there were repercussions for Paul's or Saul. Same guy, Saul, Paul. You're going to see that there are repercussions for his actions. So verse 28 tells us. So he went in and out among them in Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and he disputed against the Hellenists. Now, the Hellenists are Greek-speaking Jews. So if you're wondering what's a Hellenist, it was a Jew that spoke Greek, not Hebrew. So it was a Greek-speaking Jew. But they were seeking to welcome him into the house and have dinner with him. Is that what the text says? No. Oh, wait. They were seeking to kill him. Why were they seeking to kill him? Because he was publicly proclaiming that the guy that the Jews had killed was actually God. 
that's problematic in their religion. When Christ followers stand boldly on the truth of who Christ is and enter into a spiritual debate as it is, there can be repercussions. Just like, listen, just go stand outside of an abortion clinic and preach the word of God outside of an abortion clinic. And those who are to to those who are trying to go and murder their babies, you will be confronted. You will be mocked. You will be physically assaulted. Um, The last time I was there, we almost got run over. A guy tried to run several of us over that were there. Uh, My son has been there. They have mocked him, called him every name under the book. Because he stood and proclaimed and asked that they trust Christ and repent of their sins. Stand outside and you you will see uh, that there are repercussions. But here's the thing. That's what we are called to do. That is what we're called to do. And this is exactly what Saul did. He preached boldly the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He preached boldly the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We look at people today who go to abortion clinics and stand on the corner of a public square and publicly preach, thus saith the Lord, repent of your sins and trust Christ. We look at those kind of people as radical, um, abnormal, and, and just maybe a little crazy. But what's interesting is if you pulled anyone out of the book of Acts, anyone out of the early church out of the book of Acts, and brought them to today, 2022, and you, and you stood on the corner of in Wichita or your state capital or anywhere in a large city where this is happening, and you saw someone standing on the corner preaching and proclaiming, this is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of your sins and trust Christ, they wouldn't go, man, that guy, is, he is radical. He's a little crazy. They'd just say, well, that's a Tuesday for us. That's what we do. That's just how things go. We just... Eh, that's not anything weird. The early church was filled with men and women who, in their circle of influences, proclaimed Christ. Now, notice what I said. I said circle of influences. I didn't say all of them were preachers, but they all attested and proclaimed the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in their circle of influences. This is what Christians are called to do. We're to talk about Jesus wherever we go. We are, to, we are called to address and talk about the Lord Jesus Christ in the places that we inhabit. That's what we're called to do. Now, I want you to understand, I want you to see as we continue here, the next several verses and see what God does when Christians begin to do this. When people like Saul and his newly formed group of the way Christians proclaim the gospel in public areas. Look what happens in um, the next several verses. And when the brothers, well, they they tried to kill him. And when the brothers learned of this, um, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him to Tarshish. So the church throughout all of Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and it was being built up And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it, the church, multiplied. And so we've got this beautiful unpacking of what takes place when Christ uh, inhabits his people. 
When Christians are bold about their faith, there will be a type of multiplication that can only be explained because of Jesus and what he does in the hearts of men and women. Like, listen, do you want to see a revival? I have a serious question this morning. How many of us in the room this morning want to see a revival in Cedarville, Kansas? Let me just tell you, if you want to see a revival in Cedarville, Kansas, there has to be a revival in your own heart. Because revival doesn't start in the street. Revival starts in the mirror. No amens on that one. A revival starts in the mirror. There has to be a revival in your heart. You have to want to see God move here in this place. And there has to be a stirring of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And that stirring will lead to gospel-centered action. Not just gospel-centered talk. It'll lead to going out and doing things that potentially are uncomfortable. We, we, have, we have been lulled to sleep in our comfort in our pews. It is comfortable to do what we do where we come in here and we check a box and we go home. It's comfortable. It's easy. But man, it's difficult. But man, if we want to see... like, Listen, I know that there is a spiritual funk in this town. I have had conversations with multiple people where they say, man, there is a spiritual haze that's over Cedarville, Kansas. What do we do? The power of the gospel is the only thing that can transform and save men and women. And we've got to be vocal about it. It cannot be something we... We, we sing it in our songs. This little light of mine... I'm going to keep it under a jacket and hide it. Is that how we sing it? No, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine all over what? Man, we, we sing it. But man, do we do it? Do we do it? We've got tons of young people who are, want to follow after the lust of their flesh, whether that's with drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever that is. What would it look like if Christian older people stepped into the lives of these younger people and said, listen, here's how you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what I did? I I only have my experience, so I can just tell you what I'm doing. Um, I made a phone call to the school. I'm going February 24th, and I'm going to have a seminar in the school on February 24th. I'm going to talk to these kids. I am. I'm I'm going to try to share some hope. Because, man, we live in a hopeless world, amen? But we, what happens if all of us do that? Well, Caleb, that's, you're the preacher. That's your job. Absolutely, it is my job to do that. But it's also your job. It's also your job to do in your circle of influence, in your sphere of influence, to share the gospel. If you want to see revival in this city, we've got to see revival in our own hearts. And we have to have a passion and a desire to see Christ do something. A stirring of the Holy Spirit, the gospel-centered work in our hearts, will lead to a gospel-centered action. And it's not just head-shaking and amen. This will lead to going out and knocking on doors. It will lead to talking to people in the public. It will lead to when you're in the grocery store, say, hey, how can I pray for you? I've never had anyone lose their minds on me on how can I pray for you, ever. Now, Gabe, yesterday, he got some weird experiences. He went out with a couple of friends, and they did some street evangelism in Bartlesville. Um, had some strange things, but nothing like... They did have a door slammed in their face. 
Like, listen, there's going to be potential pushback because it's darkness. Darkness doesn't want to be exposed. And so when the light shows up, we're called in Matthew chapter 5 to be salt and light. And so when you come in and you bring salt and light into a place that's dark and and decaying, it doesn't want to be exposed. It's going to push back. He had a door slammed in his face and some crazy dude that was high told him that if he eats pork, he's going to hell. I mean, that's weird. Okay. Strange. But he made the effort. We don't have to... Like, and this is the thing. We think, oh, I don't have all the right words, Caleb. I'm probably going to mess up. Well, you probably will. But be, don't, be the, don't be the smartest guy in the room. Be the most available guy in the room. Be the guy or gal that's going to say, okay... I want to see God move. So go knock on your doors to tell your neighbors about Jesus. This means that when you're shopping in the grocery store and you have an opportunity, God, give me an opportunity to encounter someone today that needs to hear about you. And it starts with, hey, how can I pray for you? I can, tell, I can promise you, in this town, there are going to be people that are going to unpack their prayer list on how you can pray for them. And then as you pray for them, like, just stop and say, okay, I'm going to. And then just say, man, let me just tell you, Jesus has changed my heart. Jesus has made me different. And what are you doing on Sunday? Why, why don't you come to church with me on Sunday? Hey, what are you doing on February 25th? Why don't you come with me to this Bible conference? Be obedient in the small things. You don't have to unpack your theological hermeneutics in front of everybody in the world. Just say, be, hey, listen, why don't you come with me to church? What if every single one of us in this room brought one friend with us next Sunday? You double the congregation over a week. All you got to do is bring one. Think about it. The pews would be way, way fuller if you brought one more person with you. Like, this should be, this shouldn't, and it shouldn't be considered radical. Okay, look, that seems a little crazy, a little radical to do that. No, that should be biblical Christianity. Had I had an atheist yes uh, two days ago on a message on Facebook thing that I was com- having a conversation with him. He said, "If you, I, I really don't know if you. I believe you believe all of this because if you truly believed this message that there are people going to hell, you would be out and you would be doing everything in your power to make sure that people avoided hell." And I said, "Yeah, you're right." And, and I, I told the Sunday school class in, in a sermon that I listened to a couple weeks ago from a guy. He said, man, most Christians are functional universalists that don't believe there's any type of punishment at the end of this thing. Because if we thought that hell was a real thing, man, we'd be doing everything in our power to make sure our loved ones that we knew didn't go there. I've got a cousin that lives in Chicago. She does not love the Lord. She is aggressively against the things of Jesus. And my heart breaks for her. I want to see her come to know the Lord. She is rejected multiple times, but man, my heart still breaks. Does our hearts break for the lost? Does our hearts long to see this place increased with people who come to know the Lord and those waters get stirred up because we're having a bet? Man, man, I'd love to have to have it where, listen, we've got to figure out a way to... We're going to have to baptize somebody next week and the next week and the next week. I'd be fine with me. Let's, let's get those waters stirring. Let's see men and women come to know the Lord. We can't do that if we're just, shh, I'm a Christian, but I don't want to tell anybody because it might offend them. You're, you're probably going to offend some people if you stand and say, thus saith the Lord. 
that's what we're prob- that's our problem. And I-, I said this on a podcast this week, and I said, listen, the problem is because a lot of people say, well, those preachers that go from if preachers stand publicly and say, thus saith the Lord about your sin and what you need to do and how to come to know Christ. He said, well, that preacher's gone from preaching to meddling. Man, the reason our country is the way is that it is is because we don't have enough preachers meddling in the lives of the congregation. We need to, man, pastors need to plead for the hearts and the lives and the souls of the people that are in their congregation. I want to see us come to know the Lord and passionately be in love with Him. Because that's what's going to change the world. Listen, you don't have to get it all, all the words right. Just make yourself available to be used by God in the places where you are. And guess what? There's going to be opportunity that will come. And there will be blessings from the Lord in your life if you're obedient to what he's called you to do. Period. There will be a blessing in your life. If you follow what God's called you to do. I, and listen, here's the, I've already gotten some texts from some of you in this congregation saying, listen, hey, sent this in a letter to some of my coworkers, did this in a text, talked to my family, did this, did this. And I'm like, yes, this is, we're, we're starting to see it. But man, I don't want us to back down, man. The enemy, like, I want us to punch the enemy in the mouth. I want us to make trouble for the enemy. Like, that's what Christians are called to do. We need to get off of our blessed assurance and go proclaim what Christ has done in our lives. And that's what happens. God transforms Saul's life and it says, and because of that fact, the church throughout all of Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and it was built up. And they were walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God comforting them in the way that only the Holy Spirit can comfort you. How many of you guys have ever had the Holy Spirit comfort you in any way, shape, or form when it felt like there was no way your, your heart could be comforted? That's what's happening in this text. So because of what Jesus did in the life of Saul, he was the chief persecutor of the church. And when he became one of them, what happens? There was peace. You want peace in this town? See people saved. Strive to see people saved. And as a result of that, the church multiplied. This is what happens. This is what we've been created for by God. This is what we've been created by God to do. We are where we are for a reason. And that reason is to expand the kingdom of God and to see men and women come in to know Jesus and to teach and preach the gospel in the places where we go. And listen, some of you go places I can't go. Some of you are in places that I can't be. So guess what? It is our job to strive to see the kingdom expanded. We've got to stop looking at this place as if it's our forever home because it's not. It's not. What we've done is that we're in a hotel and we're trying to do everything we can to make that hotel feel like a house, a home. Wait, okay, let's, let me give you this example. What if I came up here and I said, listen, um, I'm going on a five-day vacation in, in a couple weeks. And, man, going with the family and, 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 you know, I've packed my regular stuff. But I also I packed on the back of my trailer. I put my refrigerator and my washer and dryer. I put my, my dresser drawers. And I, I brought uh, everything out of my bathrooms in the, in the front kitchen. I brought everything out of there. And, and, and you say, wait a second, how long are you going to be gone, Caleb? 
I'm only going to be gone for five days. Why are you taking your refrigerator and your washer and dryer? What are you doing? Well, you know, I know I'm going to, I just like my stuff. I'm going to take that with me. I'm going to add it on the back. And when I get to wherever I'm going, I'm going to hook up my stuff and I'm going to keep it there. And it's going to be awesome. You'd say, Caleb, you need to get a grip on reality. You're, you're crazy. Why would you take that with you? You can find a laundromat. You got, what are you doing? What we've done is that we have taken so much of this life and we've turned it into this is our forever home. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sensual urges, those that dishonor that are dishonorable desires that wage war on your soul. So the first part of this first in, in first Peter says, I urge you as aliens and strangers. So the wording here is, listen, this ain't your home. Stop trying to make it your house because it's not. You need to look at this place as if it is a temporary abode, like it's a hotel. What would you do in a hotel? Man, Caleb, I just packed bare minimum. I got a suitcase and and just a couple of changes of clothes, and I just keep it in there. Man, I just went to Atlanta last week for, for work. I had a tiny little suitcase with a couple of pairs of underwear and some socks and a different pair of pants. If I had said, man, it's a 24-hour trip, but I'm taking my entire house with me, you'd say, Caleb, you're out of your mind. We're, we've done. The enemy wants to rob you of what's rightfully yours, and he does this by presenting you with counterfeit things that seem like the real thing, that feel like the real thing, but in reality, they're not the real thing. We live here temporarily, like we're going to be gone soon. The scripture says that your life is like a vapor. Wally, how many funerals did you go to this week? Four. Four. We're only here. And guess what? If the Lord tarries, every one of us in the room are going to experience a funeral. On the other side of it. Not the pew, but like the other side of it. All of us, including me. Because we're here for just a second in the schemes of eternity. Just for a small microscopic moment. Now, I'm going to give an illustration. This is not, I did not come up with this illustration, but it's a fabulous, is that a word? Fab, fantastic illustration. You guys ready? Just that little tiny end at the end of the silver. 
That last little tiny bit of silver. We're busting our humps so we can get to, oh, what, what does everybody say with it? I'm working for what? Retirement. Got to get to retirement. Got to work so I can get to retirement. And then guess what? You die. My mom worked and busted her hump for years and years and years and got to retirement. And six months later, she's dead. What are we doing with our lives? And then you're launched into eternity. And the rest of this thing is eternity. The rest of it's eternity. And it doesn't end. 10 billion years from now, you're going to be somewhere. 10 billion, trillion, quadzillion years from now, you're going to be somewhere. And some of us are so short-sighted. We're, oh, i got to get to that end right there. I'm just working for retirement. What if we started working for the kingdom of God rather than, than for our retirement? What if we start saying, what can I do to advance the kingdom where I'm at? Because listen, when you wake up and you're dead on the other side of this and you've not followed Christ, you've not repented of your sins, eternity is going to be a long time. I can think of people that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ that have died and my heart hurts because they've been there. Let's just think about people that have died in the 1700s. They've been dead for a few hundred years that don't know Jesus. And they're just at the beginning of this. It never, ever, ever ends. It never ends. This is, this is our life. And, and you think you can sit down. We've set up and made... We were set up by God to play our part. And where you are is because the Lord Jesus Christ has set you there for a reason. You, you being in this service today is not an accident. You might be here to hear something specific. Whether that's to repent of your sins and believe the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time. Or whether it's to repent of your apathy towards the things of God. And, and to follow and say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll strive to be obedient and love you and serve you. We are only here for a moment. And we need to be all in when it comes to advancing the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ in this town. We've been made for such a time as this. I know that 2020, 2021, and 2022 have been a weird several years. It's been weird, it's been tough, it's been hard. But listen, the Lord Jesus Christ has equipped us. Like, listen, we're, we're, Rome is not hunting us down and trying to kill us. It's been tough. But man, early church, they were killing them for, for sport. Are we getting killed for sport? Nope. We've been made for such a time as this. And... What is awesome is that the Lord Jesus Christ will end up multiplying the church. You just be faithful to follow and be obedient. Follow him now. Now is the season of mercy and grace. Um, I told the Sunday school class Sunday, Friday night I listened to, and I would suggest you all go do it. It's 24 minutes long. Actually, it's 20 minutes. The four minutes is an intro. 20-minute sermon from a guy named Jonathan Edwards. And the sermon is titled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. It is a sermon that was preached on Jan or July 8th, 1741, and it launched the Great Awakening in America. I, I, found, I, found, I got a quote from it. I want you to hear this. Now God stands ready to pity you. 
This is the day of mercy. You may cry out now with some encouragement of obtaining mercy. But once the day of mercy is past, your most lamentable and delirious cries and shrieks will be in absolute vain. You will be wholly lost and thrown away of and by God. As to any regard for your welfare, God will have no other use for you other than to put you into a state of suffering and misery. If you, you shall continue to be in such a state with no end, for you will be a vessel of wrath fitted for destruction and there will be no other use for your vessel other than to be filled with wrath. That sermon was preached by Jonathan Edwards and tens of thousands of men and women were saved because the church moved from a state of complacency and apathy and they moved towards God, I mean, there's, there's, there's record and testimony of men and women weeping openly in the service, tearing their clothes and leaving the service and pleading with people on the streets to come to know Christ. Guys, we are at a pivotal point in our life and we need to be ever mindful that the church is going to be the, the tool that God uses to advance his kingdom in these moments. And look at what, and when we're obedient to follow and see Jesus do what Jesus does, all throughout the Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, they had peace, and the church was being built up, and they walked in the fear of the and the reverence of the Lord, and they had the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and the church multiplied. You want to see this place multiplied? Be obedient to what God's called you to do. You're just here for a moment. Man, I'd hate to get to glory and God say, I had so many opportunities for you to do things. But you didn't do them. What? Well, I was afraid. I was what people might have thought I was crazy. The Bible makes a promise that people will think you're crazy. Just go all in. Go all in. See what happens. Some of those crazy people, some of those people that think you're crazy, just might come alongside you and jump in on the crazy boat with us. Why not? Why not? We've only got a little bit of time here, folks. You've been listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry of First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarville, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarville, Kansas 67024. God bless you.